last week on Lore Seekers. This is a very special episode, uh, not only for Elsewhere, but other reasons, and uh, I don't think Cash, think Cash realizes why this day is so incredibly special. Uh-oh. But he'll find out later. But at the same time, the amount of work that has gone into something like this, and then to see it manifest into a masterpiece, and they nailed it again with Elsewhere, pretty cool. And I feel like for the first time, I am rediscovering this game and it's just been a complete restart for me in so many ways. Eric, can you say that again? Radma-athra. Yeah. <laughs> Hail, traveler. Be wary in these lands, for the skies overhead darken with the shadows of dragon's wings. The undercrofts overflow with the rise of the dead. There is danger afoot across the whole of elsewhere. Do you venture to brave these wilds? Then come inside, rest your well-traveled feet, order up around. Share your tales with two of Tamriel's finest storytellers. Here they are now. The law seekers, Jibs and Cash. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> A long Ooh. work day. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. Uh you know what? I before I get to you, I need to I need to get to what her. Can I, get I need you, to boys. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I I need a mead stout. Please. What are you what are you ordering? I, I'm actually going different this week. I'm gonna go with the Tamrielic old fashioned. Coming right. Oh, up. look at you. I know. I'm going out on a limb. Something a little sweeter this week. Because I've had an incredibly moon sugary week, my friend. Well, that's freaking fantastic. How uh how you been? I'm I mean it's, you know, we just talked on the phone and pre-show, but how you been? <laughs> really, really good. Uh, yep. Just a great week, man. I ha I dove into Elsewhere, like pretty much everything I can do in Elsewhere. I've, I've is it dove or dived? Uh, you dove into Elsewhere? Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just having a blast with it. Um, this has been a very big production week for for you and I. We just have a lot of stuff going on with uh, the show and making sure that we're putting together the best quality content. So, yeah, it's there's been a lot of editing and recording and oh yeah, man, kind of behind the scenes stuff this week. But you know what? If we hated it, we would not be doing it. And I actually got a really funny joke from my wife this week. Okay, okay. she was totally do, joking. Do, do my wife. My wife goes like this. She goes, she says, well, so, so what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing at the end of the week? And I said, uh, well, yeah, I got the podcast, you know, on seven, such nine. Then we've got a little editing and this and stuff. And she goes, Hey, how long are you going to do this podcast thing? Oh no. And it was like dead silence after that. And I like paused for a second. And I'm like, uh, um, forever, forever. And she goes, she starts laughing. She goes, ha ha ha. I'm just kidding. I'm like, what? You <laughs> My heart. my heart. Well, you know what it is, is that, is that my, my lovely wife, God love my wife. I've been with my wife 20 years and she's epic. 
She's mm-hmm. just, I could not ask for a better she is awesome. companion you are partner. Blessed man. And she knows she knows me so well. She knows the exact things that push my buttons. So to hear like her little giggle after she would crack a joke like that, and she's totally kidding because she's a hundred percent behind what I do. But um, yeah, it was just it was pretty funny. I'm just and I'm thinking I'm like, holy crap, how long are we gonna do this? And I'm like forever. <laughs> <laughs> if Zoss keeps putting out elsewheres, forever. Until my fingers are so decrepit that I can't even press the freaking keys. And at that time, I'll play the game with nubs. With, with nubs? Like this. <laughs> like a lineman. I'll, I'll, play, I'll play the game until all I can say is, The blessing! The blessing. <laughs> what about your week? But I know, I know how good your week was. Oh, we talk every 30 seconds. Man, yeah, I know. Text the texts the calls uh yeah yeah. man it's been a good week in elsewhere it's been good it's been good elsewhere has been great uh real life you're right production quality of stuff is and production in general has you know really ramped up for us behind the scenes and it really makes me super super thankful i'm just thankful for our staff within the guild at lore seekers Right. That allow us to focus on what we do, and they run they run that thing like a like a smooth sailing ship, and like a well oiled machine. Thank you. It's what I meant. Well oiled machine. And I like you know, smooth sailing ship too. Though. That that's cool. It's kind of Nordic. Oh, thanks. It's Viking. Uh, uh, yes, yes, very Viking. But uh, so anyway, I'm super thankful for them. Um, so everybody on staff, thank you. Uh, we really, really do appreciate you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I got a got a side quest out earlier in the week on Conjuration. I got you one in did. the bag I right heard now. It, buddy. That's releasing Monday. Oh, did you? Thank you. Yep. Uh, releasing Monday, and so uh, yeah, you know, and something happened today that really just you already know what happened. Mm-hmm. Super monumental moment for me, uh, just to get real for a hot second. Finally. After seven years, finally, 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 finally. If you could, if you didn't notice, Cash's voice was a little bit different last episode. That's because Cash was able to get, uh, finally, get an upgrade for his for his podcast gear. And he sounds awesome. I love it. it yeah, makes post show it. editing even better. And so we're doing our best to really up the podcast quality of not only the the quality of the show, the ins and outs of the show, but also you know the way we sound. We we're kind of we feel like we're at a point now where we want our equipment to match the quality and content of our show. And so we want to be as great as possible. And so today, finally, finally, after 7 years, I got a brand new studio on order. Everything top to bottom and I cannot wait. I am just like a little child in Toys R Us. Man. You're like that normally. Yes. But in but in this case, if there's anybody that deserves an upgrade more. I'd like to know who they are. You absolutely deserve this. And dude, you've taught me everything that I know about podcasting. Honestly, it's because of you. I got my, I got my starts mm-hmm. and learned little things here and there, but you are the bulk of the reason that I have learned so much about this craft and to see you upgrade right to my heart. I love it. Thanks, it makes me very, very happy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. It's got good things coming. Good things coming, man. We had... 
Gosh, we could go on forever, really, just shooting the crap here. But we had an awesome week at Lore Seekers, an awesome week in-game. Um, and just more and more good things coming for Lore Seekers, so stay tuned to that. But uh, anyway, if you missed last week's episode, it was an awesome episode. Uh, that was... We, we may be biased, but... <laughs> we feel like we had a first... <laughs> we may be biased. <laughs> if you and I are laughing, we're having a good episode. <laughs> we feel like we had a pretty solid show. It was our first impressions of Elsewhere. Uh, we talked to the drag. What's with that face? Did you fart? No, oh, I just saw that we have 18 pages of notes for today. <laughs> oh record. my god. That's a record. Holy. Oh. So we have a formidable Lord's lesson for you later in the show. For but everybody. I'm, I did this Lord lesson for the peeps. I do every lore lesson for the peeps, but this one in particular, if you're playing through elsewhere or getting ready to, you're going to like this one. This is one for you. I ain't even seen it yet. He just put it in the notes right before the show started, but uh, it's going to be good. So anyway, uh, last week we did our very first impressions, very much in our honeymoon state uh, with elsewhere, really getting in the nitty gritty. And so if you want to listen to that, you can't spoil it free, all of it, 100%. So you enjoy that. Uh, We did the uh, Talk to Dragon Rage trailer. We also... Gave you a little bit more details on update 22, and we did a lore lesson on your Raxia Tharn's forces. Now, this week on the show, this week, we're talking artifacts in Cyrodiil. We're bringing back a little bit more of our second impressions of elsewhere. Still just a little. You know, we we, we vomited all that last week. This week, you know, we just want to kind of give us a little update in our playthrough and, and things we've, we're seeing. Uh, and update 22, Dungeon Lore is back. You love it. We're bringing it back. It's back here today. Dungeon lore on Spindle Clutch 2. An extended lore lesson on the Khajiit. And I mean like in-depth, more so than the first time around. A year ago. And then uh, if we get to it, it really depends <laughs> how long the show runs. We're going to get to mail. If not this week, next week. So anyway. Can I sum up last week? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to sum up last week. Okay. Jibs. Yeah. It's the Lord. <laughs> I know that you love the Necro, and I know that you love the cats. Summary complete. Carry on. You know, you did good, yeah. Anytime you say, it's the Lord, I just... Oh, you listen. I I, I do listen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Sometimes the only way I can get to you. It's the only... That's the only way I can get to yeah, you. Yeah, it's not, so, it's not like the with text, my wife. The, when I want to get to her, I just yeah. dangle a payday in front of my face. Yeah, payday. <laughs> Here's a payday. She's like, oh, "What can I do for you, my love?" You say jump. You say how far? <laughs> but, uh, oh my gosh! So anyway, well, we've got a jam-packed show, so let's not waste any more time. I'm gonna jump right in. Here we go. Oh right. Well. Two things before we get started. One, in case you missed this, this is for the console peeps. And I feel like I saw this on PC as well. Could be wrong, but um, we know for sure it's the console. Um, PSA, this is a tweet out from Elder Scrolls Online. This came out today. It's Thursday. We're recording Thursday. For those of you listening tomorrow, this would be yesterday. (laughs) PSA, we have identified an issue with the June daily login rewards for console players. The Day 21 reward will be missing, making it appear to have one fewer reward on console than on PC. I can't read Not do that Not acceptable. This will be updated <laughs> on June 4th and should not affect your ability to claim 
your rewards. So keep in mind, that's there. That's a thing. Yeah. But uh, anyway, live. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot. Man, have you ever been in like a place where you're just like, I'm happy to be here? That's totally where I'm at right now. Just chill, happy to be here. Um, so really, anything could go tonight. This should be an interesting episode. So a lot of you are taking advantage of this, and we want to make sure that you know about it. Maybe you missed it, maybe well, for whatever reason. But we like to give you free things on us, and here's how you do that. Uh, we're kind of hooked up with Audible, and we want to give you free books. You know, like when you're done with the show, and you're like, what do I do? Well, we can help you. So if you go to lordseekerspodcast.com, the very tippity top, it says free audio book. Click on it. That's going to take you to audibletrial.com forward slash loreseekers. You sign up for the free 30-day free trial, and you get one free audio book and now two free originals on us. 100% free. You can keep your service going or you cancel it. Either way, you keep your books. So, Gems. It's the Lord again. Oh, my God. Audible has a book on how to manage your Tamrielic marriage. You should buy it. <laughs> That is, is all. It, Carry on. Is this the end game one? Apparently, I now have with you or with my, the barmaid. You did not marry your actual wife in Tamriel. You I married wish. your best friend in Tamriel, and you've been a really crappy husband so far. So, <sighs> so anyway, that. second second impressions elsewhere. Um, <laughs> it's good. See what I mean? He ignores me. He it's, doesn't even listen. He's not a good listener. Go get the trash. I'm about to puke him. <laughs> I brought that upon myself. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I'll never forget, man. Thieve showing up with a wedding dress and eyeshadow and handlebar mustache. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't oh. even want that visual in my head, but it took place. So there's that. Oh, man. So, yeah. Elsewhere has been good. My second time around, I've delved further into the chapter. Taking my sweet time. Just finished the main storyline. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, I did notice a few audio bug glitches here and there. Like, I'll finish the side quest. And the guy, <laughs> the final NPC. It's one of these zones. You'll probably pick up on it if you if it's still in when you finish it. He goes to say something, and he's literally saying his final, like, triumphant thing. W whatever that is, I'm not going to say. But he's like, and bloody blah, And he disappears. Like, just, whoosh, he's gone. I'm like, Se holy shit, shit, where'd he go? <laughs> Secret tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, El Chapo. No, no, Secret no. Secret tunnels. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he's gone. So, I mean, you know, there's a few little audio uh, weirdness happening every once in a while. But I tell you what, and like we said last week, we're going to do a spoiler show sometime in the future when we're all done with Elsewhere, 100% Elsewhere. But that, at the end of that storyline, it was good. I like it. I, myself, have not gotten to the end of the storyline because, as I stated last week, I am taking my sweet time and enjoying every second of it. So, mm -hmm. And I'm not uh, I'm not being super lazy with my neck. I mean, he's 41, 42. Um, yeah. I, I, let's just go there first before we hop into lore or anything else like that and like we said we're not going to spoil anything still but um I, i'm in love with the necro i'm oh, yeah. completely in love with oh, the necro yeah. and really getting used to the skills and that small amount of um 
skill that you need to have to play the necro to try and macro, uh, maximize your necro uh, mm-hmm. is very easily mastered. And I'm not, not going to say I'm a master. Trust me, I'm not going to. But my rotation is pretty darn easy. It's not too mm-hmm. hard at all. Yep. And I'm just having a blast melting faces with him. Um, as for the quests, I've run into some really cool quest lines. And, um, yeah, of course, I'm not going to say anything quite yet. They're really good. They're really good. And there's just, you are going to see so many people that you recognize from before, from other expansions, chapters, content. Um, there's a lot of it there. And um, I love the way that everything was tied in. And I truly believe as a budding lore fiend, as a lore seeker, I truly believe that they nailed the Khajiit. Oh my like, gosh, yes. Like a million percent. They just yeah. nailed them. There's the yep. perfect mix of um, the fact that they've been the victim, the fact that they've had such conflict in their history. Yep, um, got it. I mean, even even the more recent conflict with the, with the Bosmer, and now the two races are trying their best to work together as part of the Aldmeri Dominion and the ancient history of the land and the effect that the Akaviri had and the Dragon Guard and it's just all there. Yeah. And then their com- their comedic side, it's just that is super heavy. It's all there. Yeah. You're going to love it and take your time to smell mm-hmm. the moon sugar. It's mm-hmm. so, so fun. There's there's a lot of good surprises, and I'm not going to spoil them. In fact, there's there's side quests that I was... I was mid-main quest, and I'm just like you, taking the time. At some point in the past week, I got hooked on that main story, and I'm like, I have to see where this goes. <laughs> so yeah. I was doing that, and I came across a side quest that just blew my mind that this was in this chapter, that this kind of these kind of people were. Blew my mind. I'm not going to spoil it. It's very good. But quick question. Have you been to Hakoshe? God bless you. What? You haven't been... Have you been in the city of... Is it Hakoshe? Hakoshe? I'm sh- I've discovered everything on the map, so I... Yes? Have you, done the, have you done the quest line there? I don't know. I don't want to ask you to remind me what it was about, because if there's probably a yes or no answer to that, but I don't want you to spoil anything. It's really good. I'm so, that's all I'm going to say then. All okay. right. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you where I spent. I spent a lot of time in a certain public dungeon. Oh, you do. Grats. Oh, you got to tell them. Yeah. So I spent uh, at quite a few hours in Rimen Necropolis, the public dungeon just outside of Rimen, um, farming the Khajiit or the uh, Alfiq mm-hmm. mummy kitten pet thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need 10 pieces of mummy alfique parts. Oh, I know those well. Mummy alfique parts. Need 10 pieces out of there to make this little tiny alfique mummy kitten. That's so awesome looking too. I've succeeded. Yeah. It literally looks like, like a naked cat anyway. Like it's the way they've right. got it wrapped up and everything. All I mean, wrapped like this up. is you. This and is it you. has the little it has the little um an equinac mask on from the Inequina armor. Mm-hmm. It has it on. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this mm-hmm. is a priority. Yeah, I like questing and all that stuff, but holy crap, that was a priority. So I spent a lot of time in there, and um, you know, it was really cool to see in there while I was What's in up? there for multiple hours. What's up? Um, just how well um, players coming in were working with each other. Like, like if somebody got to a boss first, they'd wait. Oh yeah. If they knew you were right behind him, they'd wait to aggro yeah. the boss before they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of working together. There was a lot of invites to a group to do content and stuff in there. And even though I was just farming it by myself, mm-hmm. which by the way is totally doable on a necro and probably mm-hmm. a lot of other classes too. But anyway, um, just the level of teamwork that was going on in there and people like looking out for each other was really freaking cool it's just so weird to see that as in a mmo it's just well, so because we're so used to seeing such toxicity in other communities yeah you know it's like this there's there's mmo communities and then there's the eso community right i mean like it's on its its own pillar i mean its own pedestal it's it's incredible um and you get you really get a sense for i mean shoot you know this you really get a sense for communities when you do a show for them yeah. You, how, how they talk to you, how they respond to you. You take right. note of how the devs talk to you, if they interact, if they choose, if you know, if they're into podcasts or they're not into podcasts. You know, just all these things. And the ESO community is just, my gosh, I'll never forget the first day we show up and everyone just welcomes you with open arms. I mean, yeah. you know, like, where's that happen? You know, where's that? All of a sudden, I'm home. That's right. Like, okay, this is where I stay now forever. Okay, oh. we're good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Elsewhere is great. Necromancer plays very well. Um, I'm, I've still got so much more to do in Elsewhere, and I'm really, really enjoying it. And uh, you are too. So anyway, check it out, console. It's coming up. I'm excited for you. I can't yeah. wait. Can't wait. It's gonna be a good time. You're gonna love it. So, all right, now onto the nitty gritty. Here we go. So chaos comes to Cyrodiil with artifact weapons. This coming <gasps> to us from. ESO official website. So, starts off here. The Mad God Shia Gorath wants to bring a little bit more vol. You know, I had this right before, before the show. Volatility nailed it to Yay! the open world PvP zone of Cyrodiil by summoning powerful artifact. You know, fun fact: we got a bad review because of my pronunciations. <laughs> oh. Dude, there's not even a meter that measures how much I could give a crap less about a bad review because of your mispronunciations. I will pick any one of our listeners, put them in this seat, and have them pronounce these freaking words. Like I say, it's It's hard. Good luck. Yeah. You're good, bro. Don't worry about it. But anyway, by summoning powerful artifact weapons to the field of battle in the Alliance War. However, the Daedric Prince of Madness is fickle, and what he can give... He can also take away. ESO's combat lead, Brian Wheeler, said, quote, Chaos. We wanted to add chaos beyond what is already available in Cyrodiil. At this point in the game, a lot of the Alliance Wars play patterns are fairly well ingrained. There isn't a real mobile element that exists beyond capturing Elder Scrolls, and so we wanted another way to get more people moving around, end quote. All right. So, Artifacts. They're coming to ESO, and it's starting with Volendrung. With update 22, PC, you're already seeing this, between four and five times a day, the powerful artifact weapon known as Volendrung spawns into a random location in Cyrodiil. 
The game will warn you when it has arrived, but it doesn't immediately tell you where it is. Anybody can pick it up. God. <laughs> the weapon can't what? As soon as it tells you that it's it's coming, it's gonna be here. Like everybody's gonna start running around in circles, like JoJo the Circus Clown. I'm like, where is it at? Where is it at? Find it! Find it! Find it! Find it! To the left! To the right! <laughs> Classic. Uh, the weapon can and will spawn almost anywhere on the map, including behind scroll gates. So keep your eyes peeled. After you've picked up the weapon, your base attributes are normalized, and you gain access to a brand new suit. Of abilities that can strike down A, large groups of people, and B, allows you to do massive damage to fortifications, leaving all Cyrodiil crumbling in your wake. Oh, that reminds me of that mode in Fortnite. No, I don't play Forknife, but my daughter does, and my nephews do. So they need to watch you play that game. (laughs) Oh my god. Actually, I'm not that bad. Like, if my daughter has to take a break, she's like, Dad. She actually feels comfortable handing me the controller. She's like, Dad, just make sure I don't die. Yeah, no problem. She'll come back and there's several kills. So there's that. Mm. But anyway. I think I you're digress. full of crap. I don't think you've killed a single person. Oh my god. <laughs> you're supposed to support me. You realize this. <laughs> Build them up. Hashtag. Total douche move. Build them up. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's a mode in this where it's like god mode. And you gotta be taken down. I don't know what they call it. Iron something. Maybe Iron Man or something like that. But um, that's what this reminds me of. Okay. That means I like it. All right, know, cool. Long, drawn-out story for a stupid point. I like it. Fork knife. Fork knife. Still don't think you can kill anybody. <laughs> Dude, I don't play any other games. I play Skyrim <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while if I don't have an internet connection. Oh, man, Quit yelling so- at me. <laughs> All right, so when asked how power- powerful Volendrung truly is, Brian Wheeler said, quote, it's OP. This will kill an emperor. <laughs> if you're not paying attention and come across somebody with Volendrung, you're going to die. I like how it's just, he, you know, he's just, like, plain and simple. Like, look, you're going to die. And that's all there is to it. So, anyway, he says, quote, Of course, while it's lethal to players, its true purpose is to be a destroyer of keeps. It's going to have a major impact on the state of your campaign and how quickly and effortlessly it rips down walls, end quote. I need it. Ooh. Because I suck at Cyrodiil PvP. You know, I really need to get into Cyrodiil PvP more. Well, now's the best time. They've added so much cool stuff to Cyrodiil. Yeah, they've really I mean, Imperial City's its own thing. There's there's breakable walls. There's artifact weapons. Yeah. Yeah. All day. All day. Power at a cost. So, we kind of talked about this a little bit ago, but because Volendrung comes courtesy of Shiogorath, there is a catch. Of course there is a Shiogorath. The weapon requires you to keep it, quote, fed by acquiring alliance points via capturing, defending, or killing your opponents. Quick note, that resurrecting or healing your fellow players does not fill the weapon. It thirsts only for destruction. So... If you do not feed the weapon a healthy diet of carnage and its meter drops to zero, A, Shirogorath's mighty curse strikes you dead immediately and the weapon drops at your feet. B, if the wielder drops the weapon within the first 30 minutes of its initial pickup, anybody else can claim it for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You have mm-hmm. to maintain and feed it. Mm-hmm. You have Lots to caress it. And you have to love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They should you... put um, Shia Gorath's fork in fork? this. Yeah, his fork. It smells like roast beef. Okay, yep, gotcha. It's a thing. Yeah, I remember. Ah. You know what I would really you know what I'd really like? I know this is out of timeline, but man, I'd really like to see something for the Grey Fox. Wow. Yeah. That right? would be sweet. Yeah. But what would happen? You just disappear no off idea. the map pretty much. <laughs> pretty much just <laughs> but, but but it happened. It'd be That's like men saying. in black holding that little uh, that little schnibs right to your face <laughs> and like poof, nothing ever happened. I don't know. Why am I, I here? I guess the campaign's over. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really boring, Jibs. How about a better suggestion? I liked it. This right. means that if anybody, somebody else beat you to the weapon, you have a choice. A, you can either run for your dear life, or B, try to defeat the wielder and take the weapon for yourself. I'll be the guy running. And finally, be warned. If you give your enemy unchallenged access to the power of Volendrung, your keeps will soon be nothing more than rubble. Oof. Yeah. We, we should hop in there. We should... I'll you know, tell I'm you a what. battleground guy, to be honest. Right. But so, anyway, it's, you know, it's spring. Like, mid-spring, right? So you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. PvP mm-hmm. time is coming. That's going to be insane. Midsummer Madness is coming, and we are... I'm actually, I was actually already thinking about a build for my Necro. I should say it like this every time. My Necro. Death destruction. Anyway, I was thinking sounds like of a, sounds like a B film knockoff. A, a bill. Dude, my whole life is an effing B film. Oh god, <laughs> you know this. But anyway, I was thinking about a build for him, and like nothing but PvP is going to happen that entire week. Nothing but PvP. And yep. I think that's probably the next one because I think Zoss like got it. I think people are a little. Like poopy burned out on events right now, and they just want to burnt like yeah, beyond they, charred, like no life, suck no juices in the meat, completely dried out. Well, yeah, and then, so they, so they freaking plan it brilliantly. So there's a lot of brilliance going on there. Yes, all the events end that gets everybody like, oh, okay, oh, I'm tired, and they give us a week off, and then elsewhere launches, and it's like a freaking a month long beer bong of elsewhere, just <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And then, one, yeah, and then, like, once we're like, okay, I've finished the content and elsewhere, blammo! Time for PvP. Bitches. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> let's do this! Yeah. I'm ready. Jumping up and down. This is what we do! <laughs> so, they're freaking brilliant. The way they're planning this whole thing. Because that's oh. exactly what's going to happen. Like, I'm, like, thinking ahead of time. They don't even have dates set. And I'm already going... This is what I'm going to do for this. This one, Midsummer Madness. This is what I'm going to do. Go. Yeah. Pelling a white streak and, and, and the thing and, and the, all that stuff and XP and woo! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I the only one? No. I'm it's not. It's like someone completely strung out this point for 48 so, hours. Dude, I'm high on freaking moon sugar. I told you I got it in the moon sugar. <laughs> Might have even oh. been skooma. I'm not telling you. It's illegal. 
So anyway, yeah. Was it Midsummer Mayhem or Mid Mid Mayhem? Mid Year Mayhem? Mid Year Mayhem. That's the one. That's the sound of an empty glass. It is the sound of an empty glass. Well, while he's doing that, I'll do this. So we want to know what you think. Yes, that's it for the news this week. We got to meet the character of Cadwell, but it came late in the show. We didn't have time to put it in. So anyway, we want to know what you think. You can call us anytime you're feeling risky or feel lonely. You just want someone to talk to, like our voicemail. Uh, that'd be 765-382. And you're out of whiskey. 6961. You can also email us anytime, anywhere. Podcast at gmail.com. I, I got another corrected. one right here. You are not out of whiskey. Are you ready for Dungeon Lore? Because it's that time. What? Oh, yes. All right, yeah. here we go. All right, well, Dungeon Lore, it's that time where... We get to the nitty-gritty of a dungeon. And uh, not only do we take you through the dungeon, basically, have you ever been in a pug group and they are just charging through content and you've never ran the quest before, but you want the XP, so you're like, you're torn, right? Every so you, day. So you you end up picking up the quest, just doing it to get the, you know what you need, but you you feel like you've, you lost something in the process. Well, that's what this this segment is all about. We call it Dungeon Lore. We take you through the quest line so you don't have to worry about it. We go over what gear you can get, and it's pretty freaking fun. So, Cash, what we got? Well, we don't want you to lose anything, except for maybe your virginity. But anyway, so we're covering Spindle Clutch 2 tonight. Holy. <laughs> what? What happened? Nothing. You're going. Am I Tourette'sing? Am I Tourette'sing again? I'm going to take another drink of water. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm Tourette'sing again. You, you, do, you do you. So, right last, the so the last time we covered Dungeon Lore was a couple weeks ago, and we covered Spindle Clutch 1. This week we're hitting Spindle Clutch 2. So I'm gonna some of the stuff's the same, but we're going to cover a different quest and some different gear and such. But anyway, the loading screen text reads, and once again, this is when you're either going pee or refilling your adult beverage or your Kool-Aid or your Capri Sun, depending on your age and what you're into. I digress. The alien ruins of Dwinarth that grinned down from the bluffs above Hagfen were plundered and emptied out generations ago. But it seems there are forgotten mine tunnels beneath the lowest levels of Dwinarth that might not be quite so empty. So Spindle Clutch is found in the province of High Rock. High Rock is located in the northwest section of Tamriel and is most mostly inhibited by Bretons. That magic of regen. The northern tip of High Rock also contains Orsinium, the city-state of the orcs. Smelly orcs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it located? The region it's located in is Glenumbra. This region covers the entire peninsula that separates the Iliac Bay from the Etheric Ocean. Etheric Ocean. The, penin- the peninsula's geography is a mix of rugged woodland and fetid swamp. The crap ton of undead <laughs> currently uh-huh. in 2E 584. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the quest. In this particular dungeon, Spindle Clutch 2, you are going to get the quest Blood Relation once. Only once. Then it's no more unless you're on a new character. No caps. And no caps. God, you've gotten fat. Oh my God, you've gotten fat. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What are you going to do in here? Upon your return to Spindle Clutch, you will find Sud Harim, 
a male red guard guardian of the fighters guild. This is the same guy who was captured by the whisperer whom you vanquished in spindle clutch one. Sudharim is a kind soul. And all he's doing is searching for his son, Atavar. He asked for your help in venturing deep into the dungeon to help him search for Atavar and his companions. You will face enemies in your dungeon and some very cool twists. But I will not spoil that for you. You're going to have to run this super freaking easy dungeon on your own. <laughs> you can solo it! Anyway. <laughs> types of enemies you are going to encounter in here are vampires. Hmm. Vampire. Yeah, that might allude to a certain storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Infantry, flesh atronachs, and I lolled. Bonemen. Yes. Bonemen. Not bonermen, Jibs. Not... <laughs> I'm casting with a freaking 13-year-old. Not bonermen. <laughs> and it took you 56 freaking episodes for you to figure this out. Is it really 56? It's got to be more 56. 56 lore lessons or something. I don't know. Well, it's in the lore lesson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for setting me straight on that, Dad. <laughs> Anyway, mow the lawn. Don't you have to poop? Damn it. <laughs> anyway, there's many bosses in here, too. Mad Mortine, he's a blood fiend. There's the, the Flesh Atronach Trio, a group of three powerful Atronachs who must be defeated together. Irvin Valef, a Dunmer vampire, which sounds formidable, but is not. The actual bosses in the dungeon are Bloodspawn. There's a, she's a giant gargoyle. Praxen Duar, the wraith of a former Fighters Guild member, which you may or may not have seen. It's been a which one. Then there's Voronair Winterborn, a Nord vampire lord, as Jib likes, Jibs likes to call them, of Vikings. A.K.A. Cash when he hasn't played ESO in a week. Such a dork. Such a freaking dork. Anyways. Still, I like the Vikings and Nords just because I interbreed them a little. Doesn't mean anything. Really? You're from Indiana and you happen to mention interbreeding. Super weird. <laughs> Super freaking weird. So the next part is for you. Jibs is going to handle <laughs> gear sets. Thank you, Jibs. It's funny because it happens here. <laughs> freaking weird. Freaking weird. Dude, I'm from Southern California. I have like no room to talk, so there's that. Okay, folks. I swear I know what I'm doing. All right. He doesn't. Gear sets. Like so, at all. If you're, running, <laughs> if you're running Spindle Clutch 2, there's going to be all kinds of good sets that you can get. There's a couple here that are listed. First off being Prayer Shawl. This is the light armor set. So at two pieces, you get 1096 Match Magica. Did I say Match Magica? Max Magica. There we go. Three items, 129 spell damage. Four items, 129 magic recovery. And at five items, when you heal a friendly target, you have a 6% chance to grant them a damage shield that absorbs up to 2,400 damage for six seconds. Mmm. Mmm. That's a good one. Good starter set. Good starter set. Spelunker is a medium armor set. Uh, Two items. Gives you... 1,096 max stamina. I thought I said magic again. 129 stamina recovery. 129 weapon damage. 
and at five items adds up to 400 weapon and spell damage to your undaunted abilities when an ally uses one of your undaunted ability synergies you restore up to 1500 stamina goodness so yeah there's that set it's fun it's a fun set these aren't the greatest sets in the world but you know they're not bad either so uh anyway <laughs> at thumb sorry folks you'll never know what cash is doing in the background Five items, uh, 400 weapon and spell damage to your... <laughs> that was from the meat armor. <laughs> oh, edit! Oh, nightmare set. It's a heavy armor set. Two items. Gives you 2,900 physical resistance. Three items. 1,200 maximum health. Four items. 129 weapon damage. And at five items, when you deal melee damage... You have a 20% chance to apply minor maim to all enemies within 8 meters of you for 5 seconds, reducing their damage down by 15%. Not a bad set. He said maim. Why are you so giggly? Not a bad set. I'm just happy to be here, man. You're always happy to be here. And somebody was doing some kind of crotch thrusting in the background. And that smiling. is called a twitch hump. I may or may not have been doing a twitch hump in the background, but it's not that big of a deal, you guys. It's totally PG. Oh. Yeah, this is totally PG. Uh, Blood Spawn. Now, this isn't too bad of a set. There's quite a few people who use this set quite often. Uh, so, for again, run a vet dungeon, kill the boss, you're going to get the monster helm. All right. If you want to get the uh, shoulders, you go to one of the undaunted chests. Google it. It's awesome. You'll appreciate it. Trust me. Um, all right. So, Blood Spawn. One item adds 129 stam recovery, and two items being shoulders or headpiece. When you take damage, you have a 6% chance to generate 14 ultimate and increase your physical and spell resistance by up to 6450 for 6 seconds. By the way, that's 6450 for 6 seconds. This, <laughs> this effect can occur once every 6 seconds. My co-host is a douchebag. Achievements! So. Again, almost 60 episodes it took you to figure that out. Evan, no. When did we meet? 2012? Lore Seekers is now hiring for a new co-host. Because <laughs> I'm getting fired. <laughs> oh, holy crap. Oh, achievements. Uh, Spindle Clutch 2, Vanquisher. You defeat everybody. And you get that one done. All right? Defeat all the bosses. Spindle Clutch 2, Conquer. Defeat the Blood Golem, Praxin's Ghost, uh, Winterborn, and Vet. Spindle Clutch 2. Compassionate Hero. You defeat Winterborn uh, and Vet. Uh, Spindle Clutch 2 without killing any of the innocent victims held captive in his lair. What are you drinking out? Is that a bottle? It's a Yeti. That's a bottle. All right. Vet Flesh Atronaut Conqueror. Defeat 65 Flesh Atronauts and Veteran Spindle Clutch 2. Then Veteran Thrall Slayer. Defeat 220 Vampires in Vet Spindle Clutch 2. And then Spindle Clutch 2 Survivor. That's a no death run, so you do the whole thing. No deaths, you get that one knocked out. Spindle Clutch 2 Assassin speed run. You do the whole thing within, what is it, 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 minutes of the first pull. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You, you know guys, they're so easy. You know what's We're funny? We're still not in the hard it's... dungeons yet. <laughs> I know. I know. We're really not. You and I both, we really, once we get our necros all dialed in, get their <sighs> gear, we're happy. You know what we need to do? Everything. We're, if we, yes, amen to that. We're hundred percent in everything. We know that, but yes. we really need to start doing no death runs and speed runs on dungeons. Start at the bottom, done, and work your way up. 
it's done. Uh, I'm, dude, I'm so in on that. And I, we've been talking about this for quite a while, like on our Necros. And I don't know if Slash Lurk is still here, but <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for it's making me so good because it's my forever class. I love it. And everything panned out. <laughs> it's just everything's so good. So, anyway. <laughs> Do you remember, we mentioned this last week, but do you remember when we did the lore lesson on the chronology of ESO? That is where we're taking our necros, my friends. As soon as I'm done with elsewhere, which look, I don't know how long it's going to take. Right? But once I'm done taking my time, once I'm done taking my time with elsewhere, I am going to the very first thing on that list and I'm starting there. So... Look, I love my lore seeker community. I love talking to everybody. But if I'm, hey, if I'm running quests, like, look, I don't want to talk to all you people. I just, I don't. <laughs> I want, want to learn the stories. But so much content. There's so much so content, good. and like, even though it's it's funny that I had mentioned that because I I really miss. I took two days off, and I just did nothing but questing and content and elsewhere. And like on the third day, I was like this freaking blows me all by myself so i've been popping back into um into chat and stuff with uh with lore seekers and but it has been relatively quiet i think i think all the pc folks are kind of oh devouring yeah this is some this stuff. is normal yeah so anytime yeah. you're in the lore seekers community when a new chapter comes around nobody really hops in discord because again we're all chewing on the new lore and the quests and everything yeah and then it's just kind of like you know over the course of a month it's just <laughs> It starts to go back to normal. Yeah. Well, once everybody is, um, they're kind of out of questing mode and then back into um, grind undaunted mode. and, yeah. you know, I don't even want to call it grind mode because it never really feels like that to me. No. It's just like, well, I'm, I play ESO. That's what I do. It's part of my day. So these are the things that I need to get done for the day. Right. Once we get back to that and then, oh yeah, I'll, I'll mention another thing, but once we get back to that, you know, the... Uh, the chat will be a lot more busy. I think every night now we got probably 10 people in chat chatting. Um, but when it comes to our trial, like this last week, we ran our first run of, uh, of Sunspire. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> so, which, by Tell the me. way, is so much fun. I think on the first poll, we were like, is this a vet? <laughs> Freaking <laughs> trash. I was like, holy crap. But we were we ended up doing fine. We had two runs of it, and um, Sunspire is bad ass. I mean, you. I don't even want to say it, but we took so many damn screenshots in there. Um, basically, Sunspire is a bunch of mobs, crash mobs, and in between there are dragons. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a spoiler at all. Because it's already been um, detailed. There's a lot of death. It's just, but dude, we did we did really well. We did very well. I think everybody that we had with us in our group were um, experienced trial trial folks, but Mm -hmm. we did really really well for that being the first time. And I gotta give kudos to um, to Jen and Chivas who had both been through before. Actually, I take that back. Jen had not been through before, but she had read a guide. And Chivas had been through like 10 times already. <laughs> so Goodness. I know. So it's like, I mean, with the Lore Seekers Go, we have people of all different skill levels. And those two just absolutely crushed it 
in running this event uh, for our guild. And I mean, like I said, we ran through it twice. Do not miss out on that content, you guys. It is so freaking awesome in there. And that's where all your new sets, that's where some of your meta sets are going to come from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm holding off till I'm done. My necro's ready. I don't think he's going to be ready for this week's raid. The closer and closer it gets to raid time. But I think next week, the following week, he'll he'll be... uh, Take your sork, dude. Put on your big boy pants and take your sork. Nope. I'm doing this content. All right. You're going to stay in Pampers for another few weeks? Whatever. Hey, you know what? I'm 46. Why don't you play catch-up? 46. You act like you're 46 years old is what you do. So I have more hair than you. Oh, my God. That was such a dick move. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a dick move. So what? All right. You have more back hair than I do. There's that. You disgust me. All right. So anyway, this was Dungeon Lore. We hope you liked it. And uh, yeah, we'll bring it back again in another episode. But now it's time. More. (laughs) Shout shout out to chat. Von Jamestein says, this show is Jibs trying to be serious while Cash is shooting spitballs at him. (laughs) It's true. It's the Lord. Uh, this is this week, folks. I don't apologize for it. This is just... We're just happy to be here and in your ear holes. All right, so... Yeah. All right, here we go. Cash, this lore lesson time. You ready? Right at your nuts. Right okay. on cue. You are awkward. Here we go. All right, so... Here's the deal. I have so many ideas for lore lessons. But as I'm going through elsewhere, I am noticing the massive amount of lore that is there for the Khajiit and all, all these small little references to um, how the Khajiit become Khajiit and all the different types. I'm not talking about a, a lesson on the birds and the bees. So, okay. And apparently Jibs has to urinate because there's like a 72 font. I have to pee. In our in our notes, so um, I guess I'm on my own for a little bit. <laughs> He's such a douche. Anyway, there's so much Khajiit lore going on in elsewhere that I figured we need a refresher on the Khajiit. Only this time, we we covered the Khajiit in lore lesson number eleven, which was months ago. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in Kajiti lore tonight and talk to you about some of the things that you, that they're going to reference. There are no spoilers once again, but there are a few things. There are a lot of things that are referenced in elsewhere that I think this could bring some understanding to for you when you encounter them. So this is a deeper dive into our favorite felines in elsewhere. We're going to examine a bit of their lifestyle, religion, history, in order to give you a more in-depth understanding during your playthrough of Elsewhere. And as you can see, I have an Elfique right here in my hands. <laughs> I was trying to step on my soundboard. Anyway, so let's start. We're going to cover some of the terms that you should probably be familiar with before we get too, too far into the weeds into the Khajiit. Because I will say... The Khajiit are probably one of the most complicated races that there are in elsewhere. 
It's important to note that much of the Khajiiti pantheon is a variant of the deities found throughout the whole of Tamriel. For example, the Khajiiti word uh, or the Khajiit would worship Alkosh, who's mentioned a lot in elsewhere, where a high elf would worship Akatosh, but both are the same. So I'm going to clear up some of that stuff. So let's let's go over some terms that will help you I think understand a little bit more. Um an equinine also known as Anakina, is a Khajiiti kingdom in Northern Elsewhere, and that's the one that's been released as Northern Elsewhere. That's what you're going to be adventuring in. The region is filled with harsh badlands and arid plains. The next term is Auriel. Auriel is the king of the Aldmer and the elven variant of Akatosh. Now, this one's kind of hard to absorb, but Auriel is the king of the Aldmer. Ald... Mer, which means the most early high elves and the elven variant of Akatosh. Most Altmer, Altmer, and Bosmer to this day claim that they are direct descendants of Auriel. If you do any quest lines in Grotwood, there are a ton of reference from the wood elves to Auriel. Akatosh. Akatosh is yet another name for Auriel the chief deity of the Nine Divines and present in most Tamrielic regions. The next term is the Lunar Lattice. This one is all over the new content. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in relation to the morphology of the Khajiit, there are distinct differences in how they look based upon the phases of the moons on the day they were born. Within weeks of their birth, the morphology begins begins to take shape. We will get in depth on this a little bit later. Let's talk about the moons, Masser and Secunda. Masser is the greater of the Nern's of uh, greater of Nern's two moons. Masser is also known as Jod by the Khajiit, and is considered an attendant spirit of the mortal plane and also subject to the bounds of mortality. Hmm. Jod. In Elnofex, and remember Elnofex is the ancient language of Nern spoken by the Elnifei or the old gods. That means big moon god. So Jod means the big moon god. Now on the contrary, Secunda is the lesser of Nern's two moons. Jibs, that means the smaller one. Okay. Okay. Secunda, also known as Joan, is also considered an attendant spirit and therefore subject to the bounds of mortality. Joan in the Elmafex means little moon god. Big moon, little moon, not so hard. And also Master and Secunda, Jode and Joan. All it is is a Khajiit being little smart asses changing the names of stuff. That's pretty much all this is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if it helps you understand the Khajiit a little bit more, then I think I think we're in a good place. So the first fun fact of our lore lesson is that Akatosh is considered to be the first of the gods to form. The very first god ever was Akatosh. Making the process easier and more obtainable for other spirits to follow. So it's kind of like the first one to jump off the cliff. All the rest of the people behind him are like, eh, no big deal. We can go. <laughs> so after Akatosh appeared, all the other various pantheons of the world emerged. And now my Khajiit is getting so much incessant love for me that one of her eye boogers 
is on my finger. Ew. And I have nowhere to wipe it. That's gross. That's part of the lore lesson now. It's you ingrained need, in our you lore need to lesson. Fix that. Thank you, Lucy. Meow. Anyway. Alright. Let's talk about the gods of the Khajiit. You'll kind of get a kick out of this. Because they change the names, but mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the same person. <laughs> so Alright, one that you're gonna hear a lot is Alkosh. Alkosh is known as the Dragon King of the Cats and an Inequinine deity. This deity is a variation of the Altmer's Ariel and an Akatosh-type hero from very early time in Khajiiti culture. So, Alkosh equals Akatosh. If you couldn't figure that out, you want to take a screwdriver. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't want to do that. Anyway, thanks for <laughs> laughing, Jibs, and for all the support. That's going to make you feel awkward. Did it work? Yeah, it did. All right, good. So worship of Alkosh continues to dominate Khajiiti culture, especially in the region of elsewhere. In races other than the Khajiit, Alkosh or Akatosh is depicted as a large dragon with feline features. However, the Khajiit consider Alkosh to be a really big cut. Super weird. He's a cut. Mm -hmm. That's what he is. I don't know what your people are thinking. You're crazy. The next god is Azura. Azura is the goddess of dusk and dawn. Azura is the goddess to whom the Khajiit attribute their mortal form and their close connection to the lunar lattice. Azura shares many characteristics with the goddess Azura of other cultures. And they're just spelt differently. One has an H at the end and the other doesn't. But the Khajiit consider the two to be different entities. Oh, it's so weird. This is ours, not yours. Leave it alone. I slap your hand. <laughs> so Azura is represented in Khajiiti culture as a Khajiit with oversized eyes and pupils that resemble the stars. I love Khajiit. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So next is Bandar. Bandar the pariah is regarded as more of a physical manifestation than it is a god. Bandar is attributed to the cleverness and the wit of the Khajiit in response to the vast amounts of suffering in their past. Now, you'll remember that a lot of the Khajiit will refer to Bandari. Mm hmm Yeah. Followers of Bandar. Mm hmm Bandar is mostly attributed to the keen thinking of the Khajiit, which allows for them to formulate last-minute plans, that sounds very slowed-like, to foil the machinations of their foes, be it man or mer. Yeah, I didn't really understand that one either, but <laughs> I guess I'll have to dig into that one a little bit more. I'm still processing. I'm still processing that one. So the last god is Kanarthi, the goddess of the winds. Kanarthi is said to give life to her kin, Joan and Jode, on their path through the sky. Kanarthi is said to grant the Khajiit their swiftness. Kanarthi is represented by a large hawk and is popular among sailors and farmers. And you'll remember that one of our starting zones is Kanarthi's Roost. Kanarthi's Roost, yeah. Yeah. So, fun fact, when Khajiit, when a Khajiit dies, it is said that their soul is flown by Kanarthi to the sands behind the stars. Yep, that's going to happen, and uh, you're going to experience that in elsewhere. You are. That, that, that content. That's pretty cool. That's right. So as I scroll down and I told you that was the last god, I lied. There's a crap ton more. Oh, okay. <laughs> so 
There's Jode. Jode is known as the big moon god. We also already talked about Masser. Mm -hmm. Jode is just one aspect of the lunar lattice and is revered differently by each subspecies of Khajiit. As their own mortal manifestation is reliant upon these aspects of the moons. Once again, we will cover that in a little more detail later. Joan is known as the little moon god, also Secunda. Mm -hmm. Joan is the other aspect of the lunar lattice and is revered differently by each Khajiiti subspecies. Now we get to Lorkaj, the moon beast. Lorkaj, you can already guess which one that is is easily identifiable as the history of Lorcan and in Khajiiti culture, credited with the creation of the mortal plane. Kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Lorcaj holds different reverence for the Khajiit, some out of admiration and some out of complete contempt for his deceit and cunning. Totally get that. Lorcaj, man. Ma Lorcaj, yeah. all the gear that comes from Lorcaj, the style that you can get. Ugh. Dude. And the history of Lorcaj, probably one of the biggest deities in Tamrielic culture. We should Lord do Cam. something on that. Just Lorcaj. We should look into that. How about the lore lesson on Lorcan that we did a while ago? Super stoked you're paying attention. Awesome. Thanks, Jibs. It was an honest effort. Anyway, Namira. <laughs> the Great Darkness is the Khajiiti name for Namira, who represents the darkness found within the heart of Lorcan or Lorcaj. And the great void from which he was born. When a Khajiit dies, they not only are assisted by Kanarthi, but they entrust their soul to Namira. Mara. Mara is known to the Khajiit as the mother cat, the goddess of love. Aww. I know it's so sweet. She is attributed to the passions of the Khajiit, though evidence of her actual worship amongst the race is unknown. Hmm. You know, where do they come up with this stuff? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't recall seeing anything with Mara and elsewhere as far as any kind of worship either, so. Not yet. Hmm. You'd probably have to go to a brothel to find worship of Mara. But this is the family show. <laughs> so we're not going to talk too much about Dan. This is okay. PJ, okay? I know. This is hey, Disney. Hey, Chris. Your zip is up again. <laughs> mm, so many things I could do with Stop that. Talking. All right, go on. <laughs> this is my time. <laughs> All right, so the next uh, god is Mayrunes. Yeah, it's not too hard to figure out Mayrunes. Mayrunes is also known as Jakajit in, in Kajiti speak. Anyway, the Kajiti version of the Daedric Prince Mayrunes Dagon. Super surprise. Mayrunes is known for his natural tendency to rend and destroy all things around him. I like him. Yeah, he's an SOB. He is depicted as an eternally young god in a cat form. I want to be depicted eternally young. That'll never happen. Way too much hair loss for that stuff. <laughs> you cannot come back. From this that. is my lord. Last time. Stop talking. Okay, my fault. All right. Now, my personal favorite. Because he's awesome. Really awesome. Rajin, known as the footpad and the silent walker. Rajin is a highly revered part of Kajiti Pantheon. Rajin is the thief god. Mm -hmm. 
And in life, he was the most infamous cat burglar in all of Elsewhere's history. The trickster cat, who in life originated from the Black Kirigo part of Sinchal, which we haven't had any part of yet, yet, was said to be so incredibly skilled as a thief, he was able to steal the tattoo from the neck of an empress as she slept. That sounds hard freaking core. Anyway, Regine is credited with using the Ring of Kajiti, which is an infamous artifact of the race that allowed for the most incredible acts of thievery ever known. When Regine died, he was adopted as a god among the Khajiit to serve an example of their cleverness and their ability as a Khajiiti race. Fun fact. Before attempting an unlawful act, many Khajiit asked for Rajin's blessing, which makes Rajin doubly awesome. I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this, but I am about to commit murder and thievery, so Rajin, make sure that I'm good. I like it. Okay, a couple more. Riddlethar is the sugar god or the god of the two moons dance and was brought to the Khajiiti people by the famous prophet Riddle... Oh my god. What? Riddharidatta. Riddharidatta. As a set of guidelines rather than an actual deity. So Riddlethar is something that they follow, not necessarily a person. The thought of Riddlethar was brought to the Khajiit by Riddharidatta, who is an actual person. Hmm. Therefore, to many Khajiit, Riddlethar is a sense of being. This is sounding very like yoga y. Meditation-y. Sense of being, right? Okay, I'll shut up. Riddlethar is still known to manifest as a humble messenger of the gods who manifests when people are in need of assistance. Hmm. So, he's kind of like the Red Cross. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you need a real world, real world reference. Anyway, the next one. I laugh at the name of this one, but it is what it is. Srendar. Srendar. Yeah, they mean Stendar. He is known as the Runt. Oh. Oh, my God. It took you so long to realize that. I never knew that. Now you know. The lore. It's rich. So Srendar is known as the Runt or the God of Mercy. Mercy. Srendar has a close resemblance to the manifestations of Stendar. By other races of Tamriel, not much else is known about any actual worship of Srendar by the Kashit. Little fun fact about that: since both Srendar and Srendar are known, since Srendar and Stendar are known as the god of mercy by all races of Tamriel, and with no actual information on Stendar being a god revered by the Kashit, the close pronunciation between Srendar and Stendar may actually be nothing but a legitimate mispronunciation. Okay. Yeah. So, there's that. Very strange. Now, I'm not going to lie. This next one irritates the living crap out of me. (laughs) Honestly does. 
people will probably send me hate mail about this, but this one, he just irritates me. Okay. Shigorath. What's wrong with it? Irritates me. Because the, the O is gone? No, because he's freaking annoying. Oh. As a character. Full on. Like the whole thing. I'm not a fan. Okay. Okay, so there's that. Anyway. Known as the Skuma Cat or the God of Madness, Shagorath. Notice the tone inflection. Shagorath is easily identifiable with the Daedric Prince Sheogorath. I did really well on that. I'm going to give myself a cough lap. Cough lap. All right. Yep. Yeah, good job. Good job. Okay. Negative effects of skooma and moon sugar in Kajidi culture are attributed to the presence of this trickster douchebag god. Man, you really don't like him. I do, do not. You? I do not. Pretty it, dead serious about that. Too. Okay. So some of the other Daedra are evil, like truly evil. This guy tricks people into some gnarly, sinister crap. And I know I'm getting like totally serious here for no reason, but I just, I don't you're like it. worked up. I mean, I, your face is red. Your nostrils are flaring. <laughs> I mean, who I think does he's a that? I think he's a total. Now you got veins popping out of your scalp. Yeah. I don't like him. Some of the stuff he does is gnarly. So I don't even really feel bad for that. Let's talk about the lunar lattice. Okay. Hate mail is inbound. <laughs> There are so many people that love Shia Groth just because he's like super wacky. Yeah, he's a dick. Anyway. Chat says blame the other princes. They made him that <laughs> Okay. I do. There's a lot of them I don't like, but this guy? Yeah. He's just evil. Okay. The Lunar Lattice. As we have discussed in a previous lore lesson. Lore lesson 11, if you haven't seen it. Go take a look. The morphology of each Khajiit is determined on their date of birth and is directly attributed to the moon phases of Joan and Jode, which we've already identified as Master and Secunda, the two moons. These phases are referred to as the lunar lattice. So at birth, all Khajiit look very, very similar. But within a few weeks, their individual body shape begins to take place, and then once manifested, will remain for the duration of their lives. And I'm talking anything from an... From a house cat appearing alfique to a freaking centrot. A massive giant I skipped leg day beast. Don't forget the pomerots. Right. They're all there. So it all depends on the lunar lattice and what phase each moon is in. So let's talk a little bit about it. The Khajiit grow, this is a fun fact by the way. The Khajiit grow at a much faster rate than a human. And their average lifespan is around 100 years. 100 years. Hmm. Yeah. I don't want to live that long. I didn't realize they're, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize they lived, to me, that's short. Talking Tamriel years. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I guess it's a high fantasy thing, but like my cats, I wish they lived 100 years. I'd love for my cats to outlive me. But like 15 years and I have to go through the pain and freaking misery of putting a cat down. I love your cats to outlive you. Man, they're like the douchebaggery in you, it has no bounds. <laughs> that was just mean and uncalled for. I'm a nice person. That was kitty cat mean right I'm there. I'm a nice person. I took it to 11. First Ox. Let's talk about First Ox. You have heard Zoss refer to First Ox. 
There are 17 different versions of Khajiit, and these variations are known as first stock. Within Khajiiti society, although each one of these body types are quite different and distinct, they are all granted respect, regardless of their shape or size. I think modern society could take note from that. It doesn't matter who you are or what you look like, you are all respected equally. Okay, all done with that. Depending on the phases of the moons. If the moons are waxing, waning, full, or new, in whatever combination of those four of each of the moons, various morphologies will manifest. For example, if Masser is waxing and Secunda is waning, a Toje Rot will be born. If Masser is full and Secunda is full, a Sench is born. I will not go through every single type because you'll shoot me in the face by the time we're done. There's a ton. <laughs> There's a lot oh, of combinations. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the different types of Khajiit, depending on how these morphologies manifest, are as follows. There's ohms. Similar in many ways to the Bosmer. Yes. Similar in many ways to the Bosmer, which means they don't look like Khajiit. Mm -hmm. Many ohms will tattoo their faces to resemble a cat, so they're not mistaken for a Bosmer. And the ohms rot. Whenever I get to a morphology called something rot, it means this race is the same as the original, as the prefix, but it's much larger and more ferocious. That's a huge... That's a huge... thing! Cat! What it means. So anyway... Prefix dash rot means the larger, more ferocious form. So anyway, ohms rot. Similar to the race of men, short tails, like colored full. This type of Khajiit walk on their heels, unlike many other subspecies. Now we get into the more kitty, 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 kitties. Suthe rot. Similar in height and build to man, one of the most common Khajiiti breeds. Their colors are dark brown, orange, light yellow. They may have spots or stripes. The Suthe, the smaller version of the Suthe Rot. Then there's Cathay, similar to the Suthe Rot in appearance, stronger and larger, however. Then there's the Cathay Rot, larger and stronger than the Cathay, and they're known as Jaguar Men. There's the Toje, not the Tojam, the Toje. Little is known about this breed, except they live in the southern marshes and jungles of elsewhere. Then there's the Toje Rot, larger version. My very 150,000% favorite, the Alfique. Oh, yeah. Good I stuff. have one sitting in my lap right now. Very similar to a house cat, the Alfique are quadrupedal, but the keen and um, quite adept intelligence of the Khajiit allow them to understand the spoken word and possibly cast spells. I love them so bad. Then the Alfique Rot. Nothing really known about the subspecies. Man, I'd love to see that. Other than they're larger. So the way I look at it is a regular house cat and like a lynx or a savannah cat. Okay. In the yeah. real world, if that means it yeah. makes any sense. And they can freaking cast spells. And understand what you're saying. Yeah. And quite possibly respond. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know if I want that. I like my cats unable to yell. Docile? Yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, there's the doggy and the doggy rot. Uh, commonly less common, less form a less common form because words are hard. Doggy live in the trees of the Tenmar forest. We mentioned a battle between the Khajiit. That's my Khajiits. That's my Khajiit. Yeah. Um, we mentioned a battle between the Khajiit and the Bosmer in the past where the Bosmer were lured into the forest by the Khajiit and then attacked and obliterated. These were Dirty. the Doggy Rot. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Then there's the Palmar, similar in appearance and size of a common tiger. The Palmar Rot are similar to the appearance of Palmar, but of course, larger and more fierce. The Sench, very large bipedal Khajiit. The Sench are approximately the height of an average Altmer, which is pretty freaking tall. Think Shaq. However, 20 times their weight. They have thick forelimbs, and that's T-H-I-C-K, not T-H-I-C-C. Forelimbs and are even more thick than, than rear limbs giving them a muscular appearance much like that of an ape. So, fat shack on roids. Fat shack on roids that did not skip leg day. Their coats are ribbon <laughs> with striped in a dark crimson. Crimson. Oh, boy. Crimson? Whiskey is, whiskey is essential and it helps. Hmm. Um, yeah, crimson color. Then there's the cinch rot, larger and slower than the cinch. Definitely my mount. <laughs> slower. With the shorter body and straighter legs, the average Centrot stands as tall as two Altmer and can weigh as much as 50 Altmer. That is a massive freaking cat. Like the Cinch, Centrot are employed as steeds, often in battle, where they earn the title Battle Cats from the Imperial Troopers. Now, there is a lore book in ESO, in Elsewhere, where there is a Centrot that is pleading for the rest of society to understand that they are just like everybody else and intelligent as well. They're not just battle cats. Man, I love the Centrot. Yeah. I love them. Yes, they're awesome. I love them so bad. I love them out too because I spent a crap load of crowns making him fast. So, Did you max him out already? No, he's like 40. I think he's at 42. 42? Yeah, he can run fast. They look better when they when you have the the higher speed. There was someone talking about that in guild chat the other day. They feel like when you first get the Centrot, if you ordered pre-ordered the collector's edition, you get that mount. It feels like he wants to run fast, but it's just super slow motion. But like he looks real like jacked up when he's running. But the faster you get him going, it's a uh, looks a lot better. It looks yeah, the animation looks way better. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the main. You will encounter this in elsewhere. It's just part of their culture. The Mane is a very unique breed of Khajiit. Manes are only born under a very rare alignment of Masser and Secunda. This alignment occurs when Masser and Secunda are completely covering each other, which is basically an eclipse in our world. During this alignment, according to legend, a third moon appears. It just kind of looks like that, but the two moons are together. Khajiit are... That's smart. Okay. <laughs> no, 
only, to see what you'd say. only one main can be alive at any one time, and it's believed that the same main is reborn again and again into different bodies. That's just lore of the main. More than one main has never contended for power at any one time. This may be due to the truth in the traditional Khajiiti belief or that one main destroys all of its potential rivals. Hmm. Yeah. You're going to like this part. Got a little story to tell about this part. I'll get there. The language of the Khajiit. The Khajiiti language is known as Ta'agra. The actual word Khajiit is formed of the Ta'agra words for Kaj and Eat which literally means one who deserts. Now, this does not mean one who leaves or abandons. This is a literal meaning of desert. In this case, desert. A dry, barren area of land, especially one covered with sand that is characteristically desolate, waterless, and without vegetation. So it means one who deserts. Here's some useful Ta'agra words. I'll get to the story, don't worry. Ja in Ta'agra means coins, which of course is an integral part of Khajiiti culture. Mm-hmm. Jakaje is the lunar lattice. Jemath is moon sugar. And, and, then, and then there's Jekosit, a Khajiiti insult. Sometimes thought to mean jackass. So, so uh, you gotta, gotta tell them what you wrote into your yeah, little storyline. I'm absolutely end. going to, and nobody ever caught it, which blows my freaking mind apart. Anyway, in uh, our very first storyline, if you've mm-hmm. listened to it, mm-hmm. you may remember that we had a certain character played by one of our good friends, Nara Nara. And her character was a Khajiit that we met, and she referred to she referred to Jibs as Jekosit every single time she talked to him. He never figured it out. He never looked it up. But basically, Jekosit means jackass, and he never figured it out until recently, which. I thought was hilarious. So anyway, with <laughs> you have uncontrollable bowels tomorrow. Oh my god, dude! That's my little joke. Anyway, uh, so what's right here? What's the deal with moon sugar? Let's talk about it a little bit. Moon sugar is the holiest of substances known to the Khajiit, and they understand moon sugar literally to be crystallized moonlight that was caught in the water of the Topal Sea. And delivered to the sugarcane groves by the tides. It's freaking heroin, people. <laughs> <laughs> the substance can drive Khajiit into fits of, into fits of ecstasy and abandon and put them into shivering sugar fits. Yeah, hmm. moon sugar is considered a drug and is illegal in all of Tamriel and often smuggled for profit. Now. A fun fact about moon sugar is that it can be refined into a more potent and addictive form known as skooma, mm. or Tamriel's equivalent of heroin. It's not so bad. So much. Did you say it? 
all bug-eyed. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. Don't do it. Anyway. Moon sugar is also used as a seasoning, which I freaking love. Like, people sprinkle heroin into their food. And an alchemical <laughs> ingredient, it has an analgesic and soporif uh, uh, sopor soporific hmm? effects. What? I did not look up soporific. Do it yourself. Making its users both happy and stupid. Kind of like your two podcast hosts at the moment. Khajiit commonly have a very strong sweet tooth. And moon sugar is used as a spice in almost every single dish found in elsewhere. I thought that was funny. I didn't realize they were that into it. I mean, I knew they were into it, like, pretty heavy, but I didn't realize they sprinkled it on their food and all that. Like, yeah. that's, uh... Hmm. Yeah, it's criminal. But whatever. Hey, whatever you're into. We should, we should get into smuggling that. That's a trap! We should... <laughs> No matter how you felt about the Khajiit in the past, I know there's some haters out there. You cannot help but play elsewhere and fall in love with the Khajiit. There's like no way. They're freaking awesome. They're not like Argonians. They're super easy to hate. I mean, they poop all over the place. And they walk in it. <laughs> anyway, the Khajiit oh. are like extremely fun-loving they're, jovi they're jovial. They have like a super positive outlook on life no matter what. Which is something that we can all replicate in our world. That's all I'm going to say about that. But they're yeah. funny. They're nonsensical. Some of the things they say. Their love and passion for each other. Yep. It's incredible. So, and look, I know this is a game, right? I get it. But just freaking love them. They are so funny and fun. And now I play a crap load of them and I love them as much as I love the Bosmer over this past probably six months. I'm like, dude, Kajita rad. So anyway, that's where we're I at. I agree. Uh, yeah, and Elsewhere did an excellent job, like Cash said earlier in the show, embodying and representing the Kajit in their best and truest form. Not only the you know how the, they've been treated previously, but how they choose to treat other races. You really see that in the game and did a really good job. Good job, man. That was fun. Thanks, man. I'm I'm glad you liked it. I knew it was a little bit longer of a lore lesson, but I kind of wanted to dive into it real deep. So so we have a basis yeah. to work off of when people right. mention, you know, the lunar lattice or they mention moon sugar where it comes from or Shekozit. <laughs> Do you know right. what it means? Right. No, it was actually really, really good that you did that because a lot of those terms, a lot you're going to see and elsewhere right. and if you want to read these for yourself this lore lesson will be up at loreseekerspodcast.com in its textual form so you can sit there and uh you know the nitty gritty but uh anyway so that is it my friends we're bringing mailbag back next week so you look forward to that but anyway we hope you enjoyed listening to the lore secrets podcast this week we're so happy to be back and just just be here chatting with you we hope you had a good time hope you enjoyed the laughs and if you did we want to hear from you. For every five-star review that we get on iTunes, we show you some love on the show. And we have one here from Spanky1991. I like it. I love that name. That's from the USA. They say, Jibs and Cash have created something special here. Not only is it an amazing podcast, it's an amazing experience. From episodes that are filled with lore to a guild that is friendly, fun, and supportive, Lore Seekers constantly out surpasses every expectation. Spanky Atkins, aka K 
Boar Snarl. Thank you. Thank Those you. Those are actually some really cool names. That's <laughs> really in-depth names. Yeah, right on. And thank you very much. Thank really you, appreciate thank that. Thank you for the kind words. That's really cool. That is awesome. You can call us 765-382-6961. Leave us your voicemails. Try to keep around a minute or less, and we'll uh, keep it in the People, you need to. Bag. you need to freaking send us some voicemails. We haven't had one in a while. I mean, I'm being real. Send us a voicemail. Ask some questions. Your nostrils are flaring again. I know. Ah, Shia Gorath. <laughs> Ask us some questions. We, I want to answer them. I want to hear your lovely voices. We want to put your lovely voices on the show. I want to hear you. Yeah, talk to me. Talk to me, please. Talk to me. 765-382-69. 61. You can also email Podcast at gmail.com. Now, if you're looking to join our guild and want to know more about us, visit loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild. Read all, read all the nitty-gritty there, tell you a little bit more, get a better understanding. We're in the process of actually updating that page as well to give you an even clearer version of what you can expect when you join Lore Seekers. I said Lore Seekers. Uh, but anyway, download Discord, join the server, type slash apply in the Apply to Guild channel. You can find this show wherever podcasts are free, so be sure and subscribe. That way you get your episodes for free. For free, gosh. Uh, automatically. Every time one drops, even whether it's a new side quest, a new episode of Lore Seekers, and a new something else, if that ever happens, you know, they'll be right there. Find your device. Cash where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find Jibs at Jibs IRL. You can find Cash at Lore Seeker Cash. The Cash is with a K. And most importantly, you can find the show on Twitter at Lore Seekers Cast. On Instagram, you can find us at Lore Seekers and on Twitch, if you're not already here, twitch.tv slash Lore Seekers Podcast. There you go. Well, it's sad to say it's already over. It felt like it flew by, you know. But anyway, hey. We'll be back next week, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Console, Elsewhere's coming. Get excited. We're stoked for you. Everybody stay safe. Stay awesome. We love you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. It really means everything. Have a good week. Dilly freaking dilly. Oh, storyline's coming up. It's a long one. Enjoy. Episode 5 They had traveled for weeks. Following Tharn wasn't an easy task. He traveled by mount across the landscape, using merchant ships to cross large bodies of water and caravans when he became tired of riding. But he was always on the move. It seemed Tharn certainly didn't lack purpose. Finding just what that purpose was, though, that was the real challenge. The days were pleasant enough, but the nights were cold. Singe didn't feel much of it because of his thick black fur. It warmed easily in the sunlight, and he was just too busy trying to keep up with the High Chancellor in the wilds of Tamriel to notice the weather anyway. He would stay steps behind Tharn each day, losing him only when he entered buildings and cities or delves along the trail. Singe and Krindar would post up, hidden near the entrances, waiting for Tharn to reemerge. He never quite knew what he was doing in these places, save for exploring when he himself had the opportunity, or perhaps gathering supplies to continue his journey east. When Tharn emerged, 
Singe would follow him to his makeshift camps and wait for him to resume his movements in the early morning, which would give Singe ample opportunity for a little side-questing of his own. Once Tharn was nestled into his bedroll at night, Singe would find a nearby delve or cave system and do some exploration of his own. He just couldn't resist the thought of danger and the opportunity to obtain more lore books on his little secret fetish, necromancy. After all, it was his passion. It just wasn't his paycheck. Singe knew his skills. He knew he could get in and get out unnoticed and lift pretty much any relics he wanted. There was really no risk there. Well, not until tonight. Tharn had been on a straight trek to the east, bringing us to the humid air and deep forest canopy of Valenwood. Late in the night, just on the outskirts of Elden Root and Grotwood, Singe had trailed Tharn to his camp and just observed. Droopy-eyed himself, Singe would surveil Tharn until he was fast asleep. Singe and Krindar both knew that Tharn wouldn't wake until the sun broke, so they took the opportunity to do a little exploring of their own. Singe was always on the hunt for old wooden doors set into a cliffside or large stone slabs set slightly askew with darkness beyond. He knew exactly what it meant. Delves. Relics. Ancient texts. Adventure. This night was no different. He had spotted a creepy old cave in the area and he and Krindar were keen on exploring it. Singe and Krindar followed the trail back to the old delve and made their way inside. The cave system didn't seem very deep. A creaky old door led to a path of ups and downs, but mostly downs. A few meager wall torches illuminated the path, but for the most part, it was dark. As they made their way down deeper into the cave through the ever-descending switchbacks, they began to notice the sconces on the walls were no longer lit. Being cats, their innate ability to see clearly, despite the relative absence of light, allowed them to penetrate further into the darkness than any man or myrrh. Eventually, however, it became too dark for even a feline to navigate. They needed to make a decision. Light a torch and continue, which would undoubtedly eliminate their concealment, or abandon their exploration mission and turn around heading back into the direction from which they came. Knowing the safest route was to just turn back, Singe felt around on the cave floor, where he knew Kandar would be. He tapped his side in the direction of the exit and started after him. But in that instant, a grisly sound stopped both Khajiit in their tracks. The sound was coming from below them, perhaps at the cave's bottom at the end of the narrow pathway they had been descending. A low, rhythmic moan sounded for several seconds at a time and then stopped. The guttural moan became louder each time it would recycle and it was bouncing off of the cave's walls, shaking the very soul of the two Khajiiti explorers. After what seemed to be an eternity of standing motionless and remaining silent, the sound disappeared as quickly as it had come. Singe and Krindar continued to hold fast, not budging from their frozen state on the downward winding path. Still not able to see a thing, 
Singe made the decision to start back up the path, knowing Krindar would sense his movement and follow suit. Step by step, at a slug's pace, the two began to make their way back up to the trail, to the safety of the surface. After moving silently for several minutes, it was still pitch black in the cave. Singe was sure that they had reached the part of the cave where the sconces had been lit earlier, but no sconces were lit now. Dread set upon Singe's mind as he realized something, or somebody, had extinguished the sconces behind them, blinding their escape. Singe stopped in his tracks and waited in place, motionless, while he considered his next move. Krindar followed suit and stood as still as a statue at Singe's feet. For several moments, Singe didn't make a sound as he listened for any semblance of sound in the thick, dark blackness surrounding him. Even a Khajiit, normally able to see in relative darkness, would have trouble without any ambient light for their keen eyes to amplify. This cave system had gone from dimly lit to complete, utter blackness when the rusty wall sconces were extinguished by something. By somebody. Singe and Kundar were vulnerable in this level of dark. They couldn't sit here waiting. They needed to make a move, and Singe knew it. Without any other options, Singe reached over his shoulder and retrieved an unlit torch that was stored in his backpack, its head protruding from under the pack's main flap for ease of access. He placed the torch between his legs and pinched them together to hold the torch, freeing up his hands. He reached into his side pouch, retrieved his flint and tinder, and began to strike them together under the fuel-soaked rags tightly wrapped on the edge of his torch. With every stroke of his paws, a series of bright sparks showered off the fire starter. Singe knew this was a dangerous proposition. Singe was sacrificing the cover of darkness in hopes of lighting the torch and finding the way out of this cave. Krindar was standing watch. He knew what Singe was doing. He knew that he was taking a huge risk. So like a well-trained soldier, Krindar observed the surroundings for his partner while Singe attempted to light the torch. Krindar's head moved back and forth, eyes scanning the darkness. Each strike of the flint and tinder created a moment of light that allowed him to monitor any approaching threats. One strike after another. Light. Dark. Light. Dark. Then Krindar noticed something that shook him to the bone. While Singe was concentrating on getting a blasted torch lit, he noticed a figure getting closer with each strike. The figure was a blur, as even a cat's eyes need a moment to focus when the pitch black becomes light. As if the scene was playing out in slow motion, Krindar barely had the chance to yell out before the figure was upon them. Singe! Krindar cried as the torch was finally lit. Singe raised the torch out in front of him, fully illuminating the cavern and the hooded figure standing before them. The figure stood taller than Singe and was an arm's length away. The two adventurers were startled and stumbled back to create space. Singe fell backwards hard on his tail, and Krindar leapt to the side. 
but the hooded figure chose the bigger target and closed on Singe fast. So fast, its hood filled with rushing air and fell back onto the figure's shoulders, revealing a terrifying sight. The figure pounced on Singe, its power overwhelming him. Singe was flat on his back, with the pale figure on top of him inches from his face. Now Singe got a good look at the creature who had been clearly stalking them in the darkness. A powerful, zombie-like high elf with a lifeless, bloodless face littered with aging, empty veins sat atop Singe in a dominant position. Singe couldn't move a muscle. It was as if he was completely paralyzed, not by fear, mind you. Singe was a brave and skilled combatant, but some other form of power rendered Singe completely powerless. A putrid breath came from the undead elf's mouth, then an angry hiss, revealing a set of two top fangs that appeared to be growing right before Singe's very eyes. Vampire! Krindar, run! Singe yelled just as the fanged beast sunk his fangs into Singe's neck. Singe felt a sharp needle-like pain pierce the skin beneath his fur. He knew exactly what was happening. He could actually feel the vampire beginning to feed, his pumping blood rushing in the wrong direction and exiting his body into a new, uninvited host. The beast still had a tight grip on Singe's upper shoulders, pinning him to the ground. But Singe could sense a slight loss of tension as the vampire loosened his grip to concentrate on satiating his bloodthirst. With that slight release of tension, Singe knew he only had a moment to act. Blindly grasping a ground next to him, Singe was lucky enough to find the hilt of his still-lit torch. He grasped the hilt of the torch and drove it with all of his might into the vampire's ribs. With a grunt, the vampire stopped feeding, then winched and screamed in pain from the burning torch as it bluntly struck its ribs and began to scorch the tender skin under its armpit. Singe held it there for a few seconds before the vampire realized what was happening and leapt off of Singe's body. Singe took this opportunity to leap to his feet and get his bearings. The entrance to the tunnel was a 60-foot sprint away, and he knew he would be pursued by the creature, who was undoubtedly faster than he. Singe threw the torch towards his exit to illuminate the path, then turned toward the vampire, who was regaining his composure after being struck in the side with the fiery club. In the same moment, he saw his companion, Krindar, fearlessly leaping through the air with his claws unleashed, landing on the vampire's back with skin-piercing ferocity. Krindar's selflessly brave strike served as the perfect distraction as the vampire diverted its focus and tried to figure out what was happening. Singe quickly channeled a spell and yelled for Krindar to leap away. Wisps of red mist swirled around Singe's paws as he pressed his outstretched arms toward the vampire with a quick push. The crippling grasp spell was launched. Krindar leapt from the vampire's back and out of the way. The spell hit home with precision as the vampire again cried out in pain. Now, Krindar, let's go! Singe yelled as he saw his companion already leaping toward the exit. 
the vampire, clearly hurt by Singe's spell, fought through the pain and attempted to pursue. But the spell, which has sapped and slowed the creature's agility, wouldn't allow it to close the distance. Instead, the vampire stopped in its tracks and began to channel a spell of its own. Krindar and Singe ran as fast as their legs would carry them toward the cave's wooden door. The vampire, with fire surrounding its outstretched hands, unleashed a steady stream of intense flames up the path and directly toward the fleeing Khajiits. Singe felt the heat building as the wall of flames closed on their escape. Accelerating in speed, Singe used what little adrenaline he had left and deftly scooped up Krindar from the ground as he too ran at top speed. Singe covered his feline companion with both of his arms, holding Krindar close to his chest as he reached the door. With a flying kick, Singe and Krindar burst through the rickety old wooden cavern door, shattering it into several pieces. But at that instant, the flames reached the door as well. The cool, ambient air of the outside of the cave gave way to a breath-stealing surge of searing heat as the vampire's final attack reached the two escaping Khajiits. With Krindar still held tightly in his arms, Singe ducked behind the exterior of the wall of the cavern, next to the obliterated door, just as the massive blast of flame exploded out of the opening. The heat was near unbearable for several seconds as the spell completed. Singe and Krindar were protected from direct flame impingement by the cave's outer wall. Well, mostly. One thing was unknowingly left in the path of the jet-like inferno blowing out the door. The last foot or so of Singe's furry black tail was the only thing left fully exposed to the intense heat. Because of the pure rush of adrenaline pumping through his veins, Singe didn't notice that his tail was on fire until the pain set in. Yow! Singe screamed. My biscuit is burning! My biscuit is burning! He released his protective grip on his friend Krindar, allowing him to jump free. The flames had subsided, and all that was left of the cave's entrance was a trail of soot and smoke and burning debris from the splintered wooden door and a few smoldering bushes that the fire had ignited. Singe dropped to the ground in pain and rolled around, snuffing out the fire on his tail. He stood up, grabbed the middle of his tail, and swung the end around to his face to survey the damage. The fur on the last foot or so of his tail was completely burned away, leaving a hot, blistered mess of bubbled skin. Despite the pain of the burn, Singe knew the vampire may be in pursuit. He motioned to Grindar to follow, and they headed off at a brisk pace into the woods. Morning was still hours away, and the moonlight was shining bright as the two Khajiit made their escape, deftly sprinting through the trees. They reached a small opening in the forest canopy, close to their makeshift camp, and Singe called to Krindar to stop. In all of their haste, Singe hadn't realized that he had been bleeding for the last several minutes from the wound created by the vampire's bite on his neck. They had run so far, so fast, that the blood had mostly dried and matted in his dark fur, save for the wound site itself that was still showing signs of an active venous bleed. Singe was out of breath, quite possibly from the loss of blood. 
I don't feel well, Krindar. I, I need to rest. Singe managed as he steadied himself on a tree. You're bleeding, Singe. Badly, Krindar said with a horrible look in his eye. I'm dizzy, Krindar. Let me sit. I need to tend to this wound. Singe said as he slumped to the forest floor with a noticeable loss of muscle control. As Singe sat with the tree holding up his ailing body, Krindar used his teeth to grasp a small linen from the side of Singe's pack, pulling it free and placing it into Singe's hand. Here, hold this on your neck. Put it between you and let the tree put pressure on it. Let me find something to stop the rest of the bleeding, Singe. Stay put. Krindar said as he turned and darted back into the forest. Okay, my friend. I just... I will just... Hold it. Singe's body went limp, and his head dropped against the tree's bark as his eyes closed and gave way to yet more darkness. <laughs>